Welcome to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Rop, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. For the past couple of episodes, we've been looking very closely into the tripartite tractate of the Nag Hammadi, and we've been talking about the third order of powers and their nature and their origin and their duty. This can all be very confusing when you're reading it through on your own. The way I do it, I have a chart that I keep by my side when I read, and when a term is defined, I write that down. Then whenever I run across that term, I can quickly remind myself of who and what we're talking about. Otherwise, these terms seem to be very similar, and they become intermingled, and it's all very muddy to try to understand what the author was talking about. For example, there are three types of beings. There are things called the pre-existent images, and these are the pure beings of the thought, and so therefore these are what originally were the emanations of the sun. So that would be the all and the hierarchy of the flowness. Then there are what are called the representations, and that is material searching for the Father, And we know that to be another word for the second order of powers, of which all living creatures here in our material universe belong. And the third type of being is called the likenesses, and they come out of ego and lust for power. And so we understand the likenesses to be egoic versions of the representations and the images. So those beings here on earth who work completely out of their narcissistic ego, those are the likenesses. They may resemble the representations of the fullness or the eons, but they have lost touch with the Father and their true mission here on earth. The representations, those are our second order powers. We are still searching for the Father. We have a dim remembrance of the Father and the Pleroma and Paradise. And so our orientation is always slightly upward and onward, even though we continually may fall back into egoic behavior. And the images, they didn't come down with us. The images are still pure, etheric images of the original Son and His differentiations into the all and then into the eons of the hierarchy of God. So oftentimes when you're reading the tripartite tractate, you run into the word images, representations, and likenesses, but they don't mean the same thing as they would to us when we're just speaking in English. The redemption of the Demiurge is a two-step process. Part one had to do with bringing life into creation in the form of 
all of the second order powers who themselves are the living representations of the images of the eons above. Then part two of the redemption of this creation is the coming of the Christ along with the third order of powers that the Christ contains, the pleroma of the Christ. That's the third order powers. And the third order powers come as a covering, as a redemption for each and every one of the second order powers. So it's kind of a stacking situation, right? The fall generated these fractals of the eons above, smaller versions of those fractals because they come out of the broken body of a single eon named Logos. And Logos contained within himself a smaller version, so to speak, a fractal of all of the other eons. And when Logos brought those to this material plane, this material plane was a what they called a likeness, the likenesses of the eons above. But they were dead. They weren't alive. In a similar way that a mirror reflects our selves, right? The, uh, the mirror is a flat 2D representation of my 3D body. The material creation down here that started as the fall of Logos is a likeness of the eons above in the fullness of God. It's a different, though, dimension, the way that the mirror is 2D that reflects and backwards reflects, by the way, my 3D reality. Our material creation is a 3D reality that reflects, and in an inverted way, the eons above. So there's a likeness of the images above for every one of the eons. And those likenesses are the egoic side or the broken side, the shadow side. They're the inversion of the eons above. In order to redeem the fall, in order to reclaim the body of Logos back up into the fullness of God, to release it from this different plane that it has found itself on, the second order powers, all of us living creatures, everything that contains the Holy Spirit, the spark of life, there's one of us, second order powers, for every one of the likenesses of the demiurge of the fall. And then, on top of us, there is a third order power for every one of us, second order powers. And the third order powers are the pleroma of the Christ that come along with the Christ to redeem creation. So we're going to go back to the tripartite track date, and we're going to finish up today the discussion of the third order of powers, which we began in the last two episodes. And those last two episodes, if you haven't heard them, that episode that introduced these concepts is called Praise and Glory, Aeonic Romance, and Third Order Powers, The Army of Christ. And now this is going to be the third discussion of how the Third Order of Powers came into being and what their mission is and what they have to do with us. What we're talking about today comes from the part of the tripartite tractate that is called the Pleroma of the Logos. 
section 9. Now, quoting, When the Logos which was defective was illumined, his pleroma began. So the Logos which was defective, that's the Logos who has returned now to the fullness of God, to his brothers back up in the fullness. He abandoned his egoic broken self down here below. That's why the Demiurge has no remembrance of the fullness, because Logos himself, which carries the one spirit of the entirety of the fullness and God, returned back to his home in the Pleroma. And when the Logos, which was defective, was illumined, his Pleroma began. So suddenly he has got his entirety of his fullness again as a, as those fractals. They're back up inside of him, but as the one now, empowered by the Christ. In other words, Logos was the first to be saved by the Christ, and his fullness returned to him, his pleroma. Carrying on, he escaped those who had disturbed him at first. He became unmixed with them. He stripped off that arrogant thought, an arrogant thought, that's another word for ego. He received mingling with the rest, and the rest with a capital R that is the all. They are at perfect harmony and perfect peace. That is the rest. When those who had been disobedient to him at first bent down and humbled themselves before him. And he rejoiced over the visitation of his brothers who had visited him. And his brothers, those are the eons of the fullness. He gave glory and praise to those who had become manifest as a help to him, while he gave thanks because he had escaped those who revolted against him, and admired and honored the greatness and those who had appeared to him in a determined way. He generated manifest images of the living visages. Manifest images, manifest means material, right? We can see it. We're manifested. So, Logos generated men, or not only men, but any second-order creature, manifest images of the living visages. And so, visage is another word for countenance, which is another word for face. And so, we're talking about the living faces of the eons of the fullness of God. So, he generated second-order powers who resembled the eons, we're saying. Quote, pleasing among things which are good, existing among the things which exist, resembling them in beauty, but unequal to them in truth, but in wisdom and knowledge he acts, mingling the Logos within himself entirely. Therefore, those which came forth from him are great, just as that which is truly great. After he was amazed at the beauty of the ones who had appeared to him, he professed gratitude for this visitation. The Logos performed this activity through those from whom he had received aid for the stability of those who had come into being because of him, that's us, and so that they might receive something good, since he thought to pray for the organization of all those who came forth from him, which is stabilized, so that it might make them established. Therefore, those whom he intentionally produced are in chariots, just as those who came into being, those who have appeared, so that they might pass through every place of things which are below, so that each one might be given the place which is constituted as he is. So remember, 
all of us down here below, we are each constituted after a particular eon or a particular eon who is itself combinations of eons. Everything down below that is living is modeled after the eons of the fullness of God. And so when the Logos who was redeemed, that is the body of the Pleroma of the Christ, which comes down, it's constituted as everything that's already down here so that it can plug right into it. Every element of the Christ, that is, these third order of beings, which are the Pleroma of the Christ, every one of them has the ability to perfectly plug into and cover, cover with redemption, cover with love, cover with the knowledge of the Father, cover with the light of God, that bit of life that's down here trapped in this coexistent hellish type of world with the fallen demiurge. You know, each one of us is bonded to the material world by these bodies that we walk around in. So, quote, This is destruction for the beings of the likeness, and those beings of the likeness, those are the archons and the fallen egos and our egos, yet it is an act of beneficence for the beings of the thought. And the beings of the thought, those are the pure images that are kept pure up above. They have not been sullied by what has come about down here in this fallen world. A revelation of those who are from the ordinance, the ordinance, those are the eons of the fullness, because ordinance is another word for a hierarchy, an order. So the beings of the ordinance, those are the eons of the hierarchy of the fullness, which was a unity while suffering, while they are seeds which have not yet come to be by themselves. And the reason the eons of the fullness are suffering is because one of them, Logos, left them and fell and created this material world. And so the fullness has been suffering ever since. The one who appeared was a countenance of the Father and of the harmony. So we're talking about the Christ now. He was a garment composed of every grace and food, which is for those whom the Logos brought forth while praying and giving glory and honor. This is the one whom he glorified and honored while looking to those to whom he prayed, so that he might perfect them through the images which he had brought forth. And those are the images of the all and the fullness. Carrying on, the Logos added even more to their mutual assistance and to the hope of the promise, since they have joy and abundant rest and undefiled pleasures. See, we, we would like to have undefiled pleasures. So often our pleasures become defiled. And defiled means made icky, right? You, you start something because you like it and it's really good, and then you overdo it and it becomes defiled. So in the final economy, we will have undefiled pleasures. He generated those whom he remembered at first when they were not with him. He generated them having the perfection. Now, while he who belongs to the vision is with him, he exists in hope and faith in the perfect Father as much as the totalities. He appears to him before he mingles with him in order that the things which have come into being 
might not perish by looking upon the light, for they cannot accept the great exalted stature. He's generally talking about us now. This is the way the Christ comes to us, gently, so that we don't just collapse in the glory of God. Quote, The thought of the Logos, who had returned to his stability and ruled over those who had come into being because of him, was called Eon in place for all of those whom he brought forth in accord with the ordinance. It is also called the synagogue of salvation because he healed himself from the dispersal, which is the multifarious thought, and multifarious means divided. And so the multifarious thought is all of our individual egos that lead us into our own will without considering the will of the Father. The Christ leads us out of our egoic, self-centered selves. The Christ leads us back into harmony with the One, with the fullness, with the All, with the Son, with the Father. That is what it means to be healed from the multifarious thought. You step away from the ego that drives you into your own narcissistic behavior, and you instead become one with the fullness again, one with the Father, because we have the Christ within us. And the Christ is this wonderful combination of the fullnesses, the all, and the Father, and all of the power that comes directly out of them and directly into us. So, again quoting, he healed himself from the dispersal, which is the multifarious thought, and returned to the single thought. And the single thought That's the gnosis of the Father. The knowledge that you are loved and that you come from the Father and that you will return to the Father. Similarly, quoting again, it is called the storehouse because of the rest which he obtained, giving it to himself alone. It is also called the bride because of the joy of the one who gave himself to him and the hope of fruit from the union. And the fruit from the union is going to be, or is, if you are a true Christian who has accepted the Christ and turned from the multifarious thought into the one self, which is a pure reflection of the Christ and the power of God, the fruit of that union is a redeemed human being or a redeemed second-order power. That is the fruit of the union. Right now, the second-order powers are the fruit of the fullness But when the Christ comes into the second-order power, it now is a new creation. It is a new fruit. Quote, It is also called kingdom because of the stability which he receives, while he rejoices at the domination of those who fought him. And it is called the joy of the Lord because of the gladness in which he clothed himself. With him is the light, giving him recompense for the good things which are in him, and with him is the thought of freedom. The eon of which we previously spoke is above the two orders of those who fight against one another. Okay, the two orders that fight against one another, that's the archons and the fallen bits of the demiurge, the material world, and the second order of powers, which is all of us living things. It is not a companion of those who hold dominion and is not implicated in the illnesses and weaknesses things belonging to the thought and to the likenesses. The likenesses are those fallen parts. Quote, 
that in which the Logos set himself perfect in joy was an eon having the form of matter, but also having the constitution of the cause, which is the one who revealed himself. And that is the way that conventional Christians think of Jesus, the Christ, that Jesus had the form of matter, that is, it's a human walking around, but also the constitution of the cause, that is, he was one with the Father. Quoting again, The eon was an image of those things which are in the pleroma, those things which came into being from the abundance of the enjoyment of the one who exists joyously. Moreover, the countenance of the one who revealed himself and was in the sincerity and the attentiveness and the promise concerning the things for which he asked. It had the designation of the Son and his essence and his power in his form, who is the one whom he loved and in whom he was pleased, who was entreated in a loving way. It was light and was a desire to be established and an openness for instruction and an eye for vision, qualities which it had from the exalted ones. It was also a word for speaking and the perfection of the things of this sort. And it is these who took form with him, but according to the image of the pleroma, having their fathers who are the ones who gave them life, each one being a copy of each one of the faces, which are the forms. Oh, and this is a funny thing. This, okay, here, here now, here's where Sid disagrees with something in the tripartite. Isn't that funny? It says, copies of the faces, and, and we're talking about, when we're talking about the faces, we're talking about all of those individual eons that are in the pleroma of the fullness. So which are the forms of maleness, it says, since they are not from the illness, which is femaleness, but are from the one who already has left behind the sickness. So briefly, let me explain that the forms of maleness is what they're calling the eons of the fullness of God. I think that what they mean by maleness isn't male and female as we know it down here below. Is this a poor word for this? It's not maleness. It's the direction of flow. See, everything's flowing down from the Father. It's a flow down from the Father, through the Son, through the fullness, right? That is a outward thrust like maleness. But femaleness is a receptive state. and down below, we are all receptive. There's, we're not coming up from the bottom. There's nothing below us. We are down here. We're, we're landed on the floor, right? The material creation is the floor. And so everything that comes to us is being received in the manner that a female receives. So you can also, I think probably a better word for this would be yin and yang. Yin being receptive, yang being active. Quote, it has the name the church, for in harmony they resemble the harmony in the assembly of those who have revealed themselves. Quote, that which came into being in the image of the light, it too is perfect, inasmuch as it is an image of the one existing light, which is the totalities. That's the all. Even if it was inferior to the one of whom it is an image, nevertheless it has its indivisibility because it is a countenance of the indivisible light. Those, however, who came into being in the image of each one of the eons, they, in essence, are in the one whom we previously mentioned, but in power they are not equal, because the power is in each of them. We're talking about the second-order powers here. In this mingling with one another, they have equality, but each one has not cast off what is peculiar to itself, 
and that is our egos. Therefore, they are passions, for passion is sickness, since they are productions not of the agreement of the pleroma, but of this one, prematurely, before he received the father. That is, you see, that emotions are passions, they come through the fall, they come through the demiurge. They're coming from the bottom up. They're not coming from the top down. Hence, the agreement with his totality and will was something beneficial for the organization which was to come. And here we're talking about our being in harmony with the demiurge's totality, with the demiurge's pleroma and will. That is the organization of this material creation. So we second-order powers and our egos are bonded for now to the demiurge's properties. And that this bonding is beneficial for the organization which is to come, which will be the final economy. We're in the second economy. That's what this material creation is. And the first economy is the pleroma of the fullness of God. So it says, hence the agreement with the demiurge's totality and will was something beneficial for the organization which was to come. It was granted them to pass through the places which are below, since the places are unable to accommodate their sudden hasty coming unless they come individually one by one. Their coming is necessary, since by them everything will be perfected. So this statement applies both to how we second orders come in one by one, so that there is one of us to match every one of the fallen bits, but also how the Christ comes into this creation one by one, to cover every one of us who is covering the fallen bits. Quote, In short, the Logos received the vision of all things, those which pre-exist, those which are now, and those which will be, since he has been entrusted with the organization of all that which exists. Some things are already in things which are fit for coming into being, but the seeds which are to be he has within himself, because of the promise which belonged to that which he conceived, as something belonging to seeds which are to be. He produced his offspring, that is, the revelation of that which he conceived. And we're talking about the emissions of the newly restored pleroma of Logos. For well, however, the seeds of the promise is guarded, and that means they haven't been released yet. They're being hidden within the body, and those would be the third order of powers so that those who have been appointed for a mission might be appointed by the coming of the Savior and of those who are with him, the ones who are first in knowledge and glory of the Father. End quote. This sounds terribly confusing, I know. If you really want to understand what I'm talking about, I think you have to take notes and go back and actually keep translating between the written copy that you can find there at gnosis.org, or also it is the same translation that's published in the Nag Hammadi Library book, edited by James Robinson. So, to wrap it up, now we have the whole story of all those who came from the original thought. The original thought was the all, and those who are the emanations of the all, and those are the eons of the hierarchy of God, and those who are still to come into being, those are the third order of powers, the redeemed pleroma of Logos, the body of the Christ. The redeemed pleroma of Logos, redeemed by the Christ, is the final resting place for the Demiurge once it remembers and recognizes its brothers in the fullness and the father of them all through the power of Christ, because it took that power of Christ coming in to this material world 
through us in order for the Demiurge to remember. The third order of powers is called the Eon, the place, the thought of the Logos who would return to his stability. It's known also as the synagogue of salvation, the storehouse, the bride, the kingdom, the church, the image of the light. It is set above the second order and the deficiency. It has the form of matter, but the constitution of the Christ, each one containing the pleroma of the all. These are the manifest images of the living visages, not arising from division, but from the unity of the eons of the Father and the good original thought that existed prior to the rise of ego. While the second order powers, us, each arose at the countenance of a single eon, the third order powers are in harmony and resemble the entire assembly of indivisible light. The third order powers have not yet come into being. They are pure and joyful, the guarded seed of the promise awaiting their mission of coming with the Savior. They are first in the knowledge and glory of the Father, and that knowledge is freedom and release from captivity. They will proclaim the coming of the Savior to both angels and men. The third order will be brought forth from the unified all with full remembrance of the Father to prepare the way for salvation and redemption. And to finally answer the question that my brother raised a couple of episodes ago, this is why my diagram of the final economy has moved them up to be nestled right beside the Christ, even above the eons of the fullness. This final economy is the final disposition of our material universe and the demiurge who rules it. It rests right within the larger consciousness of the all, the Son, and the Father. Best wishes to you and your Gnosis, and I'll see you next week. God bless you all. Onward and upward! <laughs>